Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. So, so what is that? Is that rice? Is it corn? Like, what is the what is the thing that's filled with? It is a corn pack, and if you feel it, it's a little like uh, dried corn kernels, but like broken up, so they're not like whole. I've had ones like this that were like whole corn kernels. Mm-hmm. This almost feels a little bit more like rice, oh. or or what I would imagine. You know, if you've ever had riced cauliflower, the the texture yeah. of that. This this is what I would imagine someone would think they were clever and making corn rice would do. Uh. Um, but yeah, I found that a uh, a very good combination for so I, i'll get i wake up in the morning sometimes with really bad sinus headaches as you are aware i've told mm-hmm. you i don't know i don't know yeah. listeners maybe you've heard me complain about it in the past uh and I, i'm anticipating a pretty rough week because we've just got like multiple like hot and cold air masses moving through this week it's true uh so yeah i woke up my sinuses hurt and for some reason and i don't know if it's like a combination of how i sleep or what but like usually when i wake up with a, a sinus headache also like my neck and shoulders and like my scalp and everything just like tends and sore uh so i found that heat works of course but also uh i i told you about the the medicated lotion that i picked up from the local dispensary that i use for my my feet uh but i got a balm too that's uh, supposed to be you know better for muscles in the way that it absorbs and so I've been using that like around like my sinuses and then in, like neck and shoulders and then applying heat and the combination of the, the heat and the medicine and the, it's more like a eucalyptus sort of scent. Sure. Uh, it helps. It's, you know, it's not, I'm not, you know, peddling snake oil. It's not a magical cure all <laughs> here, but it, it helps. But it helps. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, so, so for those of you not watching on Twitch and, and able to see this live, Caleb has, you know, one of those like bags around his neck, uh, area. Um, but you, everything you just described, it reminds me of that scene in Karate Kid when he like, <laughs> you know, does the, the thing and then he does all the, the oils and stuff like that. And, and they do that scene in the Jackie Chan version of the Karate Kid as well. Mm. Um, which is, it, it's a pretty... Yeah, it was a it was a fun callback, yeah, um, yeah. which I actually really liked the Jackie Chan version of the Karate Kid. Um, I thought I it was better you... than the Hillary Swank Karate Kid. Oh, I said that, was that the next Karate Kid? Was that was that the was next called? Karate Kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot yeah. that was Hillary Swank. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, 
I remember seeing the the trailer for that as a youth and thinking, oh, she's cute. Yeah, I mean, but that's literally all I remember about that movie. Yeah, which is is totally not fair to the filmmakers or to Hillary Swank. But I'm sorry, that's <laughs> right. just that's all I can remember. That's all I, I got for you. <laughs> I just remember so like her her dad taught her martial arts. So like there's a scene where where Mr. Miyagi is like watching her because he's a friend of the family or something. And she, like, they get into a fight, and she, like, runs out into the road after she's like, no, blah, blah, leave me alone. And she, like, runs out into the road, and then, like, two cars, like, come at her, or a car comes at her, and she drops down into, like, this cool, like, martial art pose, and then jumps up in the air and, like, lands on the, the hood of the car, and Mr. Miyagi's like, uh, <laughs> uh? And she's like, oh, what you're talking about? He's like, you, nobody just drops. I think he says, like, dropping, nobody teach you to drop into tiger style and cheerleading or something <laughs> like that. It's actually pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's not a great movie. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it falls along the plot of, uh, of, um, uh, of the original Karate Kid, you know, where she ends up, you know, being involved in Mr. Miyagi and, and he gets her into tournaments and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the but the Jackie Chan version of Karate Kid, I actually I really liked. I thought it was really fun. It, um, you know, it uh, it 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 played a really good homage to the original while still yeah. being unique enough that it didn't feel like a ripoff. Um, you know, it was cool. That one was uh, Jaden Smith, but his family. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, his family, like, uh, you know, gets to, um, uh, moves to China to, um. Uh, uh, like his family has to work in China and then they meet Mr. Han who is Jackie Chan and mm. you know get the whole thing yeah I've heard apparently I'm muted on stream I don't know why Twitch uh, just nothing is working uh, anymore ever for me uh, so I don't know uh, but you can hear me Caleb I can hear you fine. and it's being recorded uh, so we'll go from there I'll try here let me try does this work uh, you guys can probably hear me now you probably can't hear Caleb at all, though. Oh. Oh, no. They can hear you now, too. Cool. We're good. Excellent. Excellent. Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but yeah, so so the, the Jackie Chan version of uh, Karate Kid. Plus, it had like, it, it, I don't know. There was more emotion to it, and it felt less dated. Um, yeah. Like, watching Karate Kid now, I watch it, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it was a little dated. Yeah, when that new one was fairly re- oh 2010. Wow. Yeah, 20, I, I mean a- Jaden's small. I mean he's got to be like 10 or 11 in that, or maybe yeah. he's a little older than that. But jeez, I thought it thought it was more recent than that, but that yeah, makes sense, I guess that's a while. Ago. So Jackie Chan is the exact same age as my mom. So he turned 67 this year. Oh wow! They were born like a month apart or something uh, in the wild. same year. Yeah. So he's yeah. So he's 67 this year. Um, not a oh. young dude. Kind of like how you and I were born three weeks apart, and this is your last full, never heard of it, uh, episode recording. Yeah, thirties. Yeah. So for those of you watching or, or listening when when this episode goes live, I have been uh, forty now for about uh, five days. Um, but uh, for those of you watching on Twitch, I turn forty in two days, which is wild happy early birthday hey thanks i appreciate that <laughs> yeah so uh uh that being said we'll kick right into it that being said hello and welcome to the never of it podcast i'm your host michael fight and i'm caleb and yeah. as you as we've established i'm sore <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Caleb Sore. Um, so I I chose all the movies for the month, like like Caleb did for his birthday month in October. Mm-hmm, I chose mm-hmm. all the all the months, all the movies for November. Now I chose two movies that I knew and had seen, mm-hmm. and two movies that I was like, these look really cool. I I want to talk about them eventually. Might as well do it now. Yeah. So I'd never seen the movie we're talking about today, Lemon. And then uh, uh, Almost Human is next week, and I had not seen Almost Human. Um, so we watched the movie Lemon, uh, yeah. which is streaming for free on Tubi TV. Um, and uh, so, uh, right, so right off the bat, uh, this movie came out in uh, 2017. This is kind of like an indie release. Um, but here's the thing. Um, so this movie was actually written and directed by Janixa Bravo, um, and uh, which, by the way, I looked it up. That is how you uh, pronounce her name. Okay. Now, if you had never heard of this person before, that's reasonable, but you probably have heard of some of the things she's done. Um, so as an example, she was the director for episodes of Atlanta. Okay, um, great, she great was show. right. She was the episode uh, director for the episodes of Love, also great show on HBO. Um, Here and Now, also good. Dear White People, mm-hmm. uh, highly acclaimed. Um, uh, from that, and then, uh, and then, yeah. So if you if you had never heard of anything else, and I told you just those things, you'd be like, oh shit, Janixa Bravo, hell yeah, like this must be good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let me tell you the cast, right? And you're gonna be like, okay, go on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so we have Brett Gelman, um, uh-huh. who also co-wrote this. Um, and that's a note because Janixa Bravo and Brett Gelman were actually married, um, oh. for a little while. Yep. Um, they actually got divorced about a year after this movie came out. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> but if you were like Brett Gelman, how do I know him? Well, he was in the other guys. He was in uh, a very Harold and Kumar Christmas, which, by the way, Kumar just came out as uh, as gay recently. Yeah, um, Kel Yeah, Kel. Uh, not, uh, yeah, Kel Penn. Um, wait, was that Kel Penn? No, maybe it's John Cho came out as gay. No, it was Kel Penn. It was Kel Penn. Okay, yeah, because yeah, he was the one that worked for the Obama. He, he's the politician guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Cal Penn just came out. Uh, so good for him. Kudos to him. Yeah. Congrats. Um, but but uh, otherwise, Brett Gelman. Now, uh, Brett Gelman also was in uh, a show that I have described as the most perfect show I have ever watched in my life. Uh, and to this day, it is the most perfect show I have ever seen in my life. And that is Fleabag. I was going to say uh, it's got to be Fleabag. It's got to be Fleabag. It is absolutely the most perfect written. I mean, like. I'm not even hyperbolizing when I say this was this is literally the best show I have ever watched in my life. Um, but he played Martin uh, in that show, very funny. Um, who is, uh, I believe, it's her brother-in-law. Um, he plays Murray in uh, Stranger Things. Uh, yeah, he was in. Yeah, he's in that new series Inside Job on uh, Netflix, which I haven't watched yet, and a bunch oh, of cartoon good. voiceovers. It does look really funny. Um, also in an episode of love, uh, you know, lots of things, you know, this is a guy you're like, oh yeah, I've probably seen him. We have Mm -hmm. Judy Greer. I mean, hello, Judy Greer. She's, she's, uh, uh, Scott Lang's ex-wife in Ant-Man. She was Mm -hmm. in 13 going on 30. She's in Jurassic world. Um, uh, she's a voice on Archer. She was in, um, a lot of cartoon stuff. I mean, you've seen Judy Greer. If you saw her face, you would know her. Um, I love Judy Greer. Yeah. And then we have Michael Sarah, which Michael Sarah is very hit or miss for me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think about like Scott Pilgrim, also one of my most favorite movies in 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 the world, but it's not yeah. because of Michael Sarah. It's no. not anything against Michael Sarah. It's specifically against Scott Pilgrim. Although I, I would argue that he was perfect as Scott Pilgrim. He is perfect as Scott Pilgrim, 100%. Just, he almost uh, is Scott Pilgrim. As we've said over and over at Infinitum, ad nauseum, uh, you're not supposed to root for Scott. Right. But right, that said, that's, Michael Sarah does a great job at making you not want to root for Scott. He does a really <laughs> great job. But you know what? One of my, you know, and then there's like uh, year one, uh, him and Jack Black. I didn't like mm-hmm. it. I thought it was no. kind of silly. Uh, I wasn't a fan. However, there is Youth in Revolt. I fucking love that movie. And that stars Michael Sarah. So, mm. you know, it, it's a hit or miss with Michael Sarah. But, you know, needless to say, nine time out of ten, uh, nine out of ten times, Michael Sarah's the thing he's in is really good. Obviously, I'm I'm not mentioning Arrested Development. That's just a standard. So, yeah, again... Looking for it. That's too easy. Right. It's too easy. Uh, so again, on paper, you're like, holy shit, this is a real, this must be a really good movie. Uh huh. Um, and so here's the plot this is the IMDb plot. A man watches his life unravel after he is left by his girlfriend of 10 years. Mm-hmm. Cool. Down, right? Like yeah. very, yeah. very standard indie plot almost, I would say. This is kind of like one of those like, standard fare indie dramedy you know type movies yeah and Uh, as far as like the the overall like aesthetic and the like general like the 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 filming style yeah i think it it takes those boxes pretty well like it that hits what i expected to see from it in in those regards for sure oh 100 100 um excuse me but then you watch this movie. So, <laughs> so I, I, you know, normally we save this for the end, but I, I'm going to say, if you have not watched this movie yet, it is painfully awkward intentionally. It, mm-hmm. This is 100% one of those movies that leans deep, deep, deep into satire, so deep that it's it's almost beyond satire and just into the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of these, like there is one very specific scene that had I not known who the director and writer was, I would have been like, what the fuck? I would have been like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of weird shit about this movie that like doesn't get addressed. And we're going to talk about some of those things. So... W- yeah we'll kick right into it so let's, let's do it let's do it <laughs> so the movie I, i'm gonna do my best i this movie's really weird it, the pacing of it is really weird it it kind of doesn't go anywhere um yeah, okay listen let, let's let's get right out at the the very beginning so we're we're not stumbling over ourselves trying to you know explain or justify this later nothing happens in this movie like yeah. pretty much at all it's it, just shy of an hour and a half and felt like three. Yeah. And that should give you a sense of why we may struggle for the next uh, several minutes, minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, the, the thing is, is it tees up a lot of really like things that would be great to have dived into. And it just mm-hmm. doesn't like, in fact, there is a better movie in the middle of this movie. And we'll talk about that as well. Oh. So, the, so the movie starts off where we get kind of this really, I mean, it was a really cool, when I saw this opening scene, 
And everything that happens in the opening scene, I was like, okay, I know what we're in for. Like, I'm down. This is quirky. You know, yeah. I like, I get it. I get what they're going for. Um, so we get a, a pan of of a house um, and, you know, we're seeing things all around the house. And, you know, it's just very standard of this type of style house. Like, there's nothing standout-ish about it, but it's very esoteric of the house um and it eventually pans to a man who is uh, you know we're, we're seeing a a uh, tv thing where it's talking about um you know uh um like militia raiding villages in africa or something like that and you know killing people and obviously it's like some sort of documentary it's not meant to set the tone for what the film is going to be like it's just you know, what it was playing on TV. And mm -hmm. the, the camera pans are all the way around until we see um, our main character, uh, Isaac, um, who is sitting on his couch in his pajamas with his head tilted back and he kind of wakes up um, and he's like, oh, and he's stretching his neck. Oh, that's maybe that's what happened to you. You fell asleep <laughs> on the couch with your head. <laughs> it, it's funny because I sat down to watch this movie with the corn pack like on my neck and on my head and whatnot. And <laughs> Ellen looked at this. This first scene was like, my neck hurts just watching this. <laughs> was like, yeah, funny enough, so does mine. But, but it, yeah, <laughs> maybe for different reasons. For completely different reasons. Yeah. And so Isaac kind of wakes up and, uh, you know, he's he's like, you know, oh, my God, my neck. And he puts his hands on his lap and realizes he has pissed himself. Uh, he uh, has just completely peed in his pants, you know, and he's like, uh, and he wakes up and he kind of like freaks out and, you know, he starts like he gets up and he, he, uh, takes his pants off, you know, cause he's like, Oh, you know, what have I done? And we look over and we see that there is a woman next to him, Judy Greer, um, who is, uh, um, her name is Ramona, oddly enough. Um, cause Michael Sarah, Ramona. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Ramona is also asleep on the couch with her head back. They're, you know, basically in the same position, just directly next to him. Um, she begins to wake up and he's like, Oh crap. And he's trying to like hurry up so that she doesn't notice that he is completely, uh, peed all over himself. She gets up and he, you know, kind of like pushes her back down and she's like, what are you doing? I got to go to the bathroom. And then she like feels and she lifts her hands up and smells and she's like, Oh, and that's where we know he is, uh, clearly peed himself. But now the movie carries on. And, uh, this is where we get a little bit of foreshadowing, which I, I thought was very heavy handed. Um, so she's sitting. So, uh, the one thing about Ramona is she is blind by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're sitting at the, uh, uh, breakfast table. He is, uh, obnoxiously loudly, uh, buttering his toast, um, Just to which we hear. Scrapes, yeah. It's scrapes, scrapes, scrapes. <laughs> which actually I, I find to be a very, not soothing, but like pleasant sound. Okay. The sound of a, a knife scraping on toasted bread as, as you're putting butter or anything on. I, I enjoy that sound, but I can also imagine in like a silent room with, for someone who's relying largely on their, their hearing to perceive the world around them, that would just be grating and yeah. would want to smack them. So, yeah, I, totally. I mean, because it's just such a distracting noise. Yeah. Um, and she is reading, uh, a magazine or something, uh, to the effect uh, of this. She's reading something in, you know, in Braille and mm -hmm. he's like, what are you reading? And she's like, oh, it's this story about a man and a woman and the woman just can't take it anymore. And the man is, you know, completely, you know, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, in oblivious to, you know, her feelings and blah, blah. And he's just like, blah. And they kind of have this blow up and he's like, well, I blah, blah. And she's like, this isn't about you. It's about me. And she gets up and she's like, I gotta go. I'm going out of town. Uh, and off she goes. 
Uh, and then uh, Isaac gets on, and now we get to one of the elements of the story. So Isaac teaches an acting class um, somewhere. It, I, I don't think it's like at a college. I just think he teaches, like it's like a a program. Like he just teaches acting, I would assume, yeah. you know, because it seems be, very LA-ish. Yeah, might be like a community theater program or something like that. Right. Kind of yeah. has that vibe. Yeah. And uh, Michael Sarah is one of the actors uh, in his uh, group uh, by the name of Alex. And uh, Alex is acting uh, next in a scene next to somebody else, uh, which is uh, I've seen in previews or something that it's it's Chekhov's something. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. They, they mentioned several other plays throughout the 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 time that the, these people are on screen, like they briefly mentioned like Waiting for Godot and like a couple others, but they never say exactly what uh, what play these two are performing. Yeah, you know, I, I saw a preview or a description somewhere that said the name of one of Chekhov's uh, plays as though it was relevant to the story. It's not uh, mm -hmm. completely. No. It is completely irrelevant to the story of whatever it is that they're... It, it made it seem like... He breaks up with his girlfriend and then like puts on this production, but that's not what this story is about at all. Like no. at all. Um, yeah. So, anyways, he's, you know, he's off uh um, you know, teaching his acting class, and Michael Sarah's there, and you know, uh Michael Sarah's performing and he's just very much overacting. And then we have another woman that's next to him acting as well, and she's just normal. And uh, eventually, you know, Brett stops and he's like, or, or uh, Isaac, and he's like, hmm, hmm. And he just shits on this woman completely and then just praises. And then he's like, Alex, why don't, why don't you tell us uh, what it is? He just keeps tossing it to Alex to basically do the things he's supposed to be doing. Um, we get this scene a lot. And uh, uh, so we'll kind of chunk this part together. So this part is where we see that a a Isaac is somewhat of a fraud in terms of the acting world. Um, but he keeps leaning on Michael Sarah. He, he has this almost, uh, idolization or jealousy, not really jealousy yet, but like an idolization of Alex because Alex, you know, afterwards is like, you know, he's like, Oh, Alex, we should get together. And Alex is like, well, I'm busy. You know, I'm, uh, I'm getting this movie gig and I gotta go and I'm getting this other acting gig. And so clearly Isaac is, is jealous or envious of uh, Alex's uh, career. Mm -hmm. um, but it's weird because th the this purpose of this scene, uh, of all of these scenes, serve nothing but to show, but for, to another way to show that uh, Isaac is a loser, pretty much. Yeah. Which, yeah, I'm, I, I mean, mean, I get it, it but like, also, <laughs> I don't know. It it does a good job of demonstrating one like just how bad his his social skills are, yeah. um, and two like as you said he's kind of a a failure at being an actor and also a failure at being a, a teacher, and you know, leans so hard on this one uh, like star student who is pretentious as fuck. Which I I will say I do enjoy Michael Sarah's uh, performance in this. Um, because this is probably the first time that I've ever seen Michael Sarah play someone who, while a shitty character, is like a confident and somewhat put together uh, person, and not the the bumbling, self effacing buffoon that he normally is. Not Michael Sarah. Uh, not Michael Sarah. Yeah. Uh, and so I appreciated that, but like the he, you know 
Isaac always throws it to this, you know, arrogant uh, young man named Alex, uh, and shits on Tracy, who is doing fine. But you know, Isaac never offers any like actual critique or like challenge to to Tracy uh, himself. He always leans on on Alex to do it, and then like afterwards, like you said, he would you know, like, oh, we should we should grab a drink or we should have dinner, and he mostly directs it to. To Isaac and and you kind of as an afterthought like oh we all should and Tracy's like my car's been totaled yeah <laughs> like there's a few times where like she she pops up she's like can anyone help me yeah and they just ignore her. like literally flat out ignore it's it is kind of, that was kind of funny so uh, Tracy by the way is played by Jillian Jacobs uh, who was uh, Britta in Community she was in uh, Choke she was in The Box she was in Walk of Shame um, and uh, most recently she was. Um, uh, Adam Eve in uh, um, uh, Invincible. So she's done a, a bunch of uh, voice acting too, including some uh, some DC animated universe stuff. She was Harley Quinn in Injustice. Yep. She was uh, Mara in the Aquaman uh, TV miniseries. Um, and she's and in Star for, Trek Lower Decks. I say for for fellow oh, yeah. Star Trek fans, she was in an episode of Lower Decks recently. Uh, Cupid's Errant Arrow. Mm-hmm. Which is very nice. And by the way, if you are a Star Trek fan and you're not listening to where No Mom has gone before, you are missing out. Mm-hmm. I ha- I am such a like minimal fan of the Star Trek movies. Like, there's only a couple, you know, and it's really only like the next generation ones that I like really got into. Um, the originals, I kind of I don't know. The original series and the original movies just kind of like weren't of interest to me. I really you know loved Next Generation specifically because of the Next Generation characters. But listening to the Ryans, uh, all three of them, uh, talk about them made me mm-hmm. want to go back and and actually watch them because they just made them like fascinating. They just made them in- intensely interesting. Yeah. Um, so definitely check out where No Mom Has Gone Before. Um, and also Jillian Jacobs was most recently uh, in Fear Street, all three of them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, for- I forgot about that too until I saw it. I was like, oh shit, yeah, that's, what's her name? Uh, Ziggy. <laughs> Um, okay. So, so if we chunk all these scenes together as the movie progresses and Isaac starts getting, you know, weirder and weirder and like, you know, this is after he, you know, figures out that his girlfriend is cheating on him. She keeps, so she sells medical equipment. And so she's kind of all over the place. She flies all over the world to go to these places and sell medical equipment. Very reasonable, but it's very clear that she absolutely does not love him at all um she you know is constantly like turning away from his touch she's constantly blowing him off you know every time he goes to like hug her or kiss her she's like nope i don't want that and then she's like i'm gonna go with a friend um so that's that's a thing that's happening so eventually as his life starts falling apart he he does invite Alex over after uh, Alex tells him that he has landed this big movie role. He's going to go to Denmark for a couple months to film it, and then he's going to go tour. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I know some people in, in Morocco and Chad and, you know, yes, all those places I named are, are in Africa, but they're really close. You'd be surprised that they're not <laughs> close. In fact, no. <laughs> in fact, they are, they are other hemispheres, I believe. Um, it's yeah. very far apart. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one's very North, one's very South. Anyway, so, um, uh, so he does eventually invite him over, but what he actually does, this is where it gets really, really fucking weird. And again, if you did not know who the director was, you would be very, uh, I was very turned off from, from this, from this scene. Mm -hmm. Um, so Isaac goes 
and spray paints uh, a phrase on Michael Sarah's car. He, yeah. It's worth prefacing that Isaac is, uh, has had his own audition, quote unquote. Oh, right. Uh, and it's for like a incontinence uh, television ad, uh, presumably peddling a, a product or a drug or something like that. And, uh, you know, he gets kind of picked apart during it. They they critique his 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 weight, his beard, and all this stuff like that, and then send him on his way. And so at first, when we see Isaac walk out and, like, spray paint the side of a car, it's I think it's meant to feel like he's taking it out on the people from the audition. Like, he's unhappy with how that went and yeah. decided to, to get some revenge. But then we see that that's not the case. Yeah, and uh, for for reference, uh, two things happened during that. So one, um, the person, the director of that is Megan Mullally. So this is our <laughs> second Megan Mullally film of the yes. uh, of the month. Um, but the other person is he meets Cleo, uh, Cleopatra, who is played by Nia Long, um, and she is the uh, hair and makeup person for that. So uh, Nia Long has been in a bunch of things, um, a lot of Tyler Perry things, um, but uh, a few other things here and there. Um, she was also in 47 Meters Down, which I love me some shark films, and that <laughs> one uh, was a good one. Um Gosh. So, right. So he ends up getting uh, uh, or asking for uh, Cleo's number. We don't necessarily see the result of that until much later. Um, but yeah, so immediately after this, we see him. He goes out. He spray paints this phrase on on a car um, and then invites Alex over. Alex gets there and we see what the phrase is. And the phrase is obviously I'm not going to repeat it, but it is white the hard R N word um, mm -hmm. that he has spray painted on the side of um, Alex's car, Michael Sarah's car. And uh, I, I don't like, why? I don't know why. <laughs> like, yeah, there, there's no context. It's like he, it, he, seeing that it was uh, Alex's car. The assumption is obviously, as we said, that he is jealous of, or like spiteful towards Alex for having some degree of success while he himself is floundering in his career and is something of a fraud, as you said. Um, and, you know, we learn from context from Alex that he lives in a neighborhood where quote unquote, things like this have been happening lately and people are worried. I don't, I don't I know, don't but like, that, but yeah. it's, it, it's a really weird and feels incredibly unnecessary thing for for Isaac to do and doesn't doesn't make sense with his character doesn't make sense with with Alex like that doesn't you know, to borrow from you know kind of stereotypical actor shit that doesn't feel like there's any motivation for it it doesn't like i get him wanting to act out a little bit like maybe not necessarily act out in the way he did but maybe like snap at him or something and what happens in the house uh, after this, so he invites Alex over and Alex is like, oh, blah, blah, this has happened. And he's just fucking weird. And then it gets like... So weird. Really weird because, you know, there's scenes where he's almost threatening to kill Michael Sarah. Mm -hmm. Like, he, he does. And he, he attempts to. He, like, grabs him and, like, starts, like, squeezing him. And Michael Sarah like, gets out. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is insane. You know, and he ends up throwing a cake at him, which, waste of cake, my friend. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> like, it, he alternates between, like, I could I could have poisoned you. I should have. I should have killed you. And, like, all of these, like, threats, too. And, like, he grabs him, like you said, and, like, holds him for an incredibly awkward length of time. Mm -hmm. And then, like, tries to kiss him? 
Yeah, well, he, yeah, he does kiss him, and that's when Michael's like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck is going on? And then, I don't know. And it's not even like we we don't get any sense that Isaac is someone who is struggling with his with his sexuality or with feelings of attraction for Alex or anything like that. Like that would at least make sense if we had this sense that that's who Isaac was, but we don't. So it feels just kind of thrown in as an afterthought. Like, oh, you should kiss him. That right. that would that would really work, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It also, you know, that being said, we also don't get a sense of Isaac as a sexual person ever. Um, yeah. In fact, so we mentioned, you know, I mentioned the fact that he gets Cleo, Cleo's number. He does eventually go off on dates with her, which first off, girl, after yeah. that first date, do not ever call this person again. He is clearly a sociopath. Like, it is very obvious he is a murderer. Do not ever talk to him again. And she does several times over, but there's no redeeming part of him. That's the problem. Yeah. We, as an audience, I'm sure, you know, his character might have a sort of redeeming quality and you know and i get it he's he's being dumped on or whatever like that but like we as an audience member never see his redeeming qualities so it just doesn't make sense for cleo to keep being with him because she is very put together she's not Mm -hmm. you know like we look at a film like you know i'm going to use napoleon dynamite as an example napoleon's a fucking weirdo and you know he's clearly got problems and stuff like that but he pairs up with another person that that loves that she is that too so it works Mm -hmm. you know but like in this movie it doesn't work because she is normal she is normal acting and he is very not normal acting he is very disconcerting everything he does is troubling and it's just it's weird it feels out of place and it was very like troubling and and also like you you could Take it to say, like, this is a character who's meant to be, like, portrayed as neurodivergent and in which sure. case, okay, sure. But again, like, we're, we're given no context from the audience and, like, whether we should be, uh, you know, empathetic towards, like, okay, this is a person who's just completely misunderstood by everyone around them or, like, is this a complete psychopath? Because I spent most of the movie wondering when he was going to snap and kill someone. Because he does say it twice. He threatens to poison uh, Michael Sarah. He holds a knife up to his face until Michael Sarah eventually is like, please stop doing that. Uh, you know, forcefully tells him to stop holding a knife up to his face. He threatens to poison him. And then later, he violently and, and specifically threatens to murder his girlfriend, cut her up in little pieces, and bury her a hole in the woods. Those are what he says he should do to her. Mm-hmm. And she barely flinches to it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, I mean that metaphorically. But uh, it was it was very troubling because I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then at one point, he gets high as fuck and kidnaps an old woman. That scene was also very, like, out of place. Like, it just didn't make sense. It was funny, but it did not make sense to the rest of the movie. Okay, so we'll we'll get to the the context of that, but honestly, I wanted that to be where the movie ended. Okay, I wanted that to be the final scene where he just runs away and you just that's it, yes. right? Yes, just running away with with the the old old aunt <laughs> with the old aunt aunt uh, June, I think it was. Uh, all right, so before we finish up with the rest of this movie, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Um, you know, first off, if you guys have not subscribed uh, uh, or followed or whatever it is, make sure to do so. It's super helpful, and also leave a rating and review if that's a thing your uh, your podcast player of choice does. It's super yeah. helpful for us. It's free for you to do only takes a couple of seconds and you can even be doing it while listening to this episode um so it's, wild 
It's so wild. And I do want to point out that there were, uh, we just talked about this. Uh, when we launched this podcast four years ago, there was another podcast called Never Heard of It, um, which uh, it, it was really weirdly named because they did like Kubrick movies and like Back to the Future. They did like mm -hmm. very well-known movies. And we've done a couple in our past, but not like Back to the Future which is like a genre of films now. Like if I was to say like, oh, I got to go back in time and rewrite history so I don't get erased in front. I'd be like, oh, like Back to the Future. Right. Like that's a genre of film. Like Groundhog Day, genre of film. Anyways. Mm -hmm. And they were up and running for a while and, you know, that's fine. And then another Never Heard of It podcast uh, cropped up, um, which was uh, uh, Never Heard of It as in I've never heard of the podcast and not as the the topic of discussion. Um I I I uh proud to report we have outlived them all ladies and gentlemen hey. big big applause big applause we have outlived every <laughs> other never heard of a podcast I'll tell you what we may not be great but we're tenacious and uh that's that's uh, our our forte yes <laughs> so we're not the best podcast we're just the one that's still here we're just the one that kept going <laughs> uh yeah so uh, definitely check that out. And of course, uh, you know, hit us up on uh, social media. We're at the Nahoit podcast at the NHOIT podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, tweet at us things you want us to watch. We just got one, which we're going to talk about probably next week. Yes. Um, that's going to be pretty hilarious. And I'm, uh, it is absoluticrous. And I am super excited <laughs> uh, to talk about it. But we're going to go to a quick break and we will be right back. Hello, I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Colin Ryan. And we're here to tell you about the new podcast coming to the Night Shift Radio Network. It's something two white cishet dudes have never covered. Star Trek. But here's the twist. The omnipotent god is actually a malfunctioning robot? No, well, maybe. But the real twist is we roped our mom into it. That's me. Hi, Hi Mom. mom. In the monthly podcast, we will cover all the Trek movies from the motion picture to beyond. Our lifelong love of Trek comes from being introduced to it by our mom at a very young age. But that's a story for the podcast. Look at you, Mom. You're a natural. That's why I'm the Admiral. So join us September 8th for our monthly podcast, Where No Mom Has Gone Before. Available on the Night Shift Radio Network, wherever in subspace you catch your podcasts. Now... Which one is the one with the whales? Four. The Storyteller series brings you full cast audio productions of short stories. I'm the host, Megs. And each month we'll bring you a brand new story performed by talented voice actors, interviews with great authors, and exclusive print edition stories. Listen wherever you enjoy podcasts. Catch us on Twitter and Instagram at NSR Storyteller or at nightshiftradio.com. The Storyteller Series. Old Time Radio. Rebooted. Hello and welcome back. Uh, neck is crunchy. <laughs> Caleb's got a crunchy neck. Hello, this is Caleb Crunchy Neck Coy. <laughs> coming, coming at you. Uh, oh. Yeah. So, so when we left you, we, we got a little bit of the, uh, of a lot of the main overarching part of, uh, of lemon. So, you know, uh, we have Isaac failed relationship with, you know, an, an unloving relationship with his girlfriend of 10 years who eventually leaves him. 
uh, a career that's not really going anywhere. Although he has an agent, so like fucking good for him, you know? Yeah. Like, I know a lot of people who don't have agents who are better than him, so like... An you agent know. who's who's getting him work. Who's you know, getting it, him work nonstop. It, it's not glamorous parts, let's be honest. But you know what? It's work. It's work. And it pays. Yeah. If, if your agent is getting you work, then your agent is doing their work. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's good for him. Uh, you know, I want an agent. I, I should have one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so, uh, uh, so, so there's that. So we see that he's failing in his, you know, in his job. He's jealous. You know, he's had two very weird moments. And now comes two other parts of this movie that I think are a better movie. Um, So the one that I think is a better movie is his entire family. (laughs) I think this movie should have just been about Passover dinner. (laughs) Like that's what the whole movie should have just been about. Like think Rachel getting married. Yes. But it's it's just Passover dinner instead uh, with all of his crazy (laughs) relatives. Oh um, my goodness. Which yeah. uh, it, this is a great this is the best part of the movie. So like w- this is where we get a lot of great actors. We have Fred Melamed, we have Rhea Perlman. Um oh, that was Rhea Perlman. That was oh, Rhea wow. Perlman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um and we've got uh I'm trying to find uh Martin Starr. So here's a fun little thing about Martin Starr. So uh I don't know if y'all remember about a year or so ago, a little over a year ago, I was dating someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we first met, we we matched on Hinge. Um, when we first met, she said that I looked like Martin Starr. Oh, and no. so in her phone, when we first started talking, um, I was, you know, Michael Martin Starr Hinge. Um, and uh, when she referred to me with all her friends, she referred to me as uh, the guy who looks like Martin Starr oh, um, when, when we first started, you know, like talking or dating or something like that. It's not I, that I didn't. It's not that I don't see it. I I don't agree. But I it, don't see it. I don't. I don't think I look. I mean, we have long hair, we have facial hair, and I do wear glasses uh, uh, on occasion. So like maybe, like a a little bit around like Guilfoyle era, like Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Not not enough to like. I wouldn't say if you as that in, uh, you know as your contact in my phone, but enough that <laughs> right. I might make the the private passing reference. I mean, it's not like um, you know how how Chris Gethard is a spitting image for Lance Henriksen. Like it's, it's not. <laughs> it's not spitting <laughs> image. I swear to you. Right. It is not that. Uh, it's close ish uh remember I don't the know. time i pissed off chris gethard on left of the dial <laughs> i do i do remember it i laugh about it to this day uh, <laughs> uh he'll be on the show one day um <laughs> so uh uh yeah so i don't know that's a side story but anyways so martin star and um it's uh hannah heller is it hannah or is it emma no uh, i'm sorry hannah is the sister right yep there's the other sister uh, so Adam and Zelda. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then this, no, uh, the, the sister is Ruthie, who is played by Sherry Alpha, uh, Appleby. Zelda is, oh, right, uh, right. is Martin, uh, Adam's character, Martin Starr's character's uh, wife. Oh, right. Yep. Who apparently had some sort of like grievous head injury and is like spaced out the, the entire time. And yeah. And it's just like glossed over as like a, like a 30 second anecdote amongst the family. 
Right, which again is why this should be the movie because that sort of stuff is what they're, that's that indie satire, that like dark indie satire that I think they were going for. Mm -hmm. But I think they, they, I think, you know, they kind of like tried to have their foot in shock and uh, dark indie satire and like couldn't pick one or the other and failed at both. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But yeah, so... Um, so this, this is great. So this is Passover dinner. We're hearing all the crazy stories. You know, we have, um, uh, another, another great actor. I got to find his name, uh, in here if I am to be able to stop messing around. Oh yeah. So David Pamers, uh, in there who plays Dr. Gold. Um, yeah. I mean, David Pamer has been in, uh, I mean, God, uh, so many things, uh, state in Maine, get shorty. Um, I mean, just, you'll see his face and you're like, oh, that guy. Um, but anyway, so, uh, you know, he he's the former doctor who is there and like his wife uh, recently left him. And so now he's hanging out with the family, but everybody's crazy, uh, absolutely crazy. And it's it's wonderful. It is it is an amazing, amazing family interaction. And I want that to be the movie because mm-hmm. you see that that like you kind of see where Isaac gets his uh gets his crazy let's say but you also get where Isaac kind of you know feels like a loser is because his family is all very successful yeah. you know and like even though they're all nutters he is is he doesn't have the other half of it well th- they all have these kind of specific stereotype stereotypical neuroses where like the the dad is like you know look at all these great things that i just did to the house everything's new and pristine and this bookshelf is you know is handmade nobody's allowed in there oh my god did you scratch the wall sort of thing right, and like course, what's wrong with you are you stupid yeah the mother uh, you know played by ria perlman is in the kitchen and she's cooking and she's having a, a meltdown because she thinks that people don't like her food and um Adam and Zelda bring their their two daughters and they bring a bunch of food for them. And she's like, why are you bringing so much food? And like, you don't like my cooking. And like, the girls can be picky. It's fine. Don't read into this. And she's like, just has a meltdown there. And of course, Zelda doesn't say a word the entire time. And is just kind of wandering around. And we get a a moment where Isaac tattles, I guess, that that Zelda poured a glass of water into one of the waste bins. Uh, And... um, uh, what what is what is the the, the Ruthie Ruthie's Ruthie. sister? Uh, she is extremely pregnant and is just you know like on the phone loudly berating people that sound like event planners at all times. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah and I got the impression that she is an event event planner. Yeah, uh, and, yeah, and that she she has a small uh, small child who is black who we uh, learn is adopted. I guess his his parents were were killed at some point. We don't we don't hear the details, but the the two little girls are like kind of teasing at him like you know who's your real mom and dad sort of thing and he's just like deadpans it to them like yeah. <laughs> i loved that part yeah that was great like, i love that scene he's like where like, do you think do you think aunt ruthie and uncle so are your real dad your mom and dad no no what happened to your real mom and dad they're dead <laughs> they were they die killed. they were killed <laughs> and they're just like oh and he's just like yeah <laughs> that was very very amusing see like that is a good movie that is I, I love that. I love that scene. I love that whole aesthetic of that, of like the madness of, you know, the the Jewish family and and people integrating into it. And that's that's where this is. So the other half of uh, or the other parts of this movie, too, 
is Isaac dating Cleo. So mm-hmm. um, Cleo is also a black woman uh, who he starts dating. You know, they have their first date and they go to an Asian restaurant and it ends up being really awkward. Um, but he is like, hey, can we go out again? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, what? Why? Like, it was so weird because she's she's so uncomfortable for the majority of the date. And she's even like, oh my, like, maybe we just go. Like, let's just get the check. And then, like, it seems like she just wants to escape so badly. Mm-hmm. But then he asked her out on another date, and she's, like, excited about it, and it felt out of place. Well, and he he makes a as, – as she's making excuses, like, oh, I'm just really tired. We should probably just get the check and go. He's like, you know, I, I haven't done this in a long time. You know, I, I'm, I know I'm not good at it. Can I see you again? And I do like that moment where she just gets this smile, like, yeah, okay, that'd be nice. Like, just willing, willing to say, like, let's write this one off. Let's let's take another shot. And sure. you know, I thought that that was sweet. Obviously, she hasn't really gotten to know Isaac yet, so she doesn't know what a terrible idea that is. We know. We know. Yeah. So they end up having a second date. Um, and in the second date, which, listen, man, as a single parent, this has happened to me before, but I've just canceled the date. Uh, mm-hmm. Where, uh, you know, it's their second date ever, and she's like, uh, you know, they were supposed to go out to dinner and instead she invites him over to her house because her babysitter is canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, at first she's like, oh my God, I don't know why I did this. Like I, I shouldn't, you know, like this is awkward. And of course he's awkward and he's like, all right, I'll just leave. And she's like, well, no. And then she's like, oh, I shouldn't have invited you over. And so he just starts walking away, but then it immediately cuts to he's inside the house and they're having dinner, and he's there with um, the kid, um, which, uh, by the way, uh, the kid in that, too, um, I got to find him again, but he's been in a bunch of things, um, and uh, da, 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 I got to find him. It's far away in this thing. I'm going to lose it. I've lost it. It's gone forever. Um, but anyway, so the kid in it, he, he's he been in a bunch of things, but more specifically, he was in the movie Good Boys. He is one of the the boys in Good Boys. Oh, yeah. Uh, Keith L. Williams, um, he was in uh, Good Boys. Uh, he's in the show Last Man on Earth. He's in uh, The Goldbergs. And uh, he's on a show on Nickelodeon called um, The Astronauts. Um, but anyway, so he's, he's the young kid in it. Um, but yeah, so like... And we get the impression that they're having a good time. Like we get this sort of like music montage of them like laughing and stuff like that. But like Isaac isn't, he is, but also he starts not being a part of that montage where he is very like seriously just sitting there and like the, the mom and son are just laughing and and having a good time. And it's, it was weird. Um, but it kind of works. So you kind of get the feeling that like, you know, he did okay. And then Cleo invites him, uh, actually, he invites himself to Cleo's barbecue. He asked <laughs> to see her again. And she's like, Oh, well I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to a barbecue. And he's like, can I go too?" And she's like, uh, and then, you know, it cuts to him at the barbecue and you cannot just invite yourself to the cookout people. Yeah. You cannot do that. Yeah. You have to be welcomed. And this is, I, I actually, as, as kind of offensive as this line could have been, I could see where if the movie was written differently, this this line would have been hilarious, absolutely hilarious. So he shows up to the cookout, 
and he meets the very first person who clearly is uh, Creole of some sorts, uh, Caribbean maybe. Um, and, you know, he's sitting there and he's talking and he has a very thick accent, um, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, he's talking to the kid and he talks to the mom. And then he's like, you know, and then she's like, oh, this is my friend Isaac. And he's like, oh, I didn't know we were doing accents. <laughs> and it's so deadpan, but it's it could have been so funny. Like, that is such a funny line. Um in a different context, but in this one, it's just kind of like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, what the fuck, you know? And but it's I, like ev every line that Isaac says at this party is one of those moments, like, why Why are you opening your mouth at all? Please, please right. keep your mouth shut. Please don't talk. Please don't. He goes into, into something about uh, gang violence, but I'm talking about Latino gangs, not black gangs. I know a lot of people think black when they hear gangs, but but not us. And they're like, what what people? Well, like, not Not you guys and not me, but people. And they're like, Okay, and it's just like what? And then apparently, like he he must like take a, a hit off a joint that's being passed around, and like starts to get really high. And he's like, "Did you guys put something in this?" Yeah, like, yeah, motherfucker, weed. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And this is where we get the moment where he's kind of standing around and he starts having a freak out. Um, to which he hears the old Aunt June, who is old woman sitting in a wheelchair speaking to him being like and she keeps telling him to run away run run like i i want to be out of here and so he runs away with her and like <laughs> so he's like running down the street with her in a wheelchair and eventually cleo runs after him and she's like what the fuck are you doing and he's like i'm trying to run she's like i can see that but why and he was like uh i'm gonna go and then he starts running in and he's like oh wait i drove here and he starts running back and it was just fucking weird, but I agree with you. That should have been the end of the movie. I think we should have seen him meet Cleo. So this is how I think the movie should have gone. The beginning of the movie is him teaching the acting class. We see clearly, uh, you know, we meet Alex. Alex talks about landing the movie role. You know, we get his agent calling immediately after and being like, I landed you a role. And he goes to the role, but it turns out to be an incontinence one to be like, what the fuck? You know, like to see that like he's he's kind of a loser. And mm -hmm. then we we meet the family. You know, maybe the girlfriend breaks up with them right off the bat. You know, like he finds out that his, his blind girlfriend is cheating on him. They break up. He goes to Passover. Passover ends up being this really long thing. He ends up meeting, you know, at this point, like he's he's just losing it. And he keeps, we keep having a couple interactions with the family, you know, one of them culminating with Passover. And the dates with Chloe happen in between the interactions with the family as we mm -hmm. meet them the several times. And then the last scene is him at this party just completely losing his shit and getting high, hearing the old lady be like, run away with me. And he's just like, what the fuck and his whole life crumbles he runs away with her she tells him like maybe you should just go and so he does and then the end of the movie closes out which is how the movie closes out of his car being towed uh because mm -hmm. it has died um and he's just standing there while the guy is towing his car that is how that movie should have gone that's a much better version of this movie there's a much better version of this movie and there's so much you could do with that and here's the thing, like, it's it's not entirely fair to say that this was a bad movie, because it wasn't. It was not an enjoyable one, and if no. that was the, the writer and director's intents, uh, then bravo, you succeeded. Janixa you, you bravo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even mean that. <laughs> um, it's incredibly uncomfortable. Mm. It's, like, as someone who, like, loves awkward comedies and like like 
that, that I mean, Punch Drunk Love was probably the the first movie that I made Ellen watch when we when we started dating, and you know we we're still together to this day. So, uh, must have worked out. Must have worked. Uh, Hopefully, this this movie goes too far uh, to to be one that I could enjoy. Not enough, not enough comedy, and entirely too much awkward. Yeah, agree. You know, there's just uh, there's a lot of things about Isaac where I'm like, yes, go into that. Like, mm-hmm. like the two instances in which Isaac gets very like threatening and violent, I'm like, okay, lean into that then. Mm-hmm. Like, make that like, okay, dive into that. Like, have him have a crazy mental breakdown and be you know like on the verge of of being a crazy sociopath, like, cool, then do that. That's cool. You know, or dive into the fact that he is a hapless loser and just loses the whole movie. Dive into that. But like, everything is so small that it's just, it's not enough for me to be like, ah, you know, like I don't feel enough for any of the instances in this movie. And it's, it's not even to the point where it feels like this could just be a few days in the life of a, really like luckless loser individual where like you know oh this is just you know it it's slow moving and you know like oddly paced because it feels real it doesn't it doesn't even feel like this stuff would really happen to this person uh i will say though it, kudos to the, the the casting and to the like every actor nailed their parts like for for how they were written and for like the characters that they were given every single one i think did, a, did an amazing job uh and you know including brett gelman as isaac uh you know absolutely nailed that part it's just like what were you trying to do yeah it just it just needed a little bit of extra love uh in in the writing and you know there, there is several good movies in here, and there is enough in this where, where when I watched it, I didn't, I didn't regret watching it. Sure, by any means, but I definitely was like, it, it made me think so much on it. Where I was like, I, I want, I want more of any, any of the the elements in that movie. I just yeah. wanted more of all. Of, I just was like, just pick one and just give me a lot of that. But yeah. it was just not enough that made me be like, I could see why people would like this movie. I don't, I couldn't, see, I could not tell you why a person would like this movie. And thinking about it in the context of watching it for this show, like there wasn't enough that I could like pick and like riff on and, and like have fun with. Like there was no like real like good humor in this or even anything that I could like pick and say like ah that made me laugh at it even though it wasn't supposed to be funny like that right. sort of stuff uh but it also wasn't cohesive and coherent enough to like really like dive into like as a as a critic either and just yeah i i think you you hit it on the head it left me wanting more oh yeah uh, there was there was two instances in which i out loud said what the fuck Mm-hmm. One was the white N-word one, and in which I said it like, what the fuck? That's how mm-hmm. I said it. And then the second one was uh, the accent line, which again is yes. a great line. And I was like, what the fuck? And I giggled, laughed, and said, what the fuck? And I was like, that, like that comedy is what should have been the whole, like that line yeah. is should have been like the 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 theme and the feel of the entire writing of the movie. Like that opening scenario that just that one scenario alone mm-hmm. would have been great like i'll even keep in the part where he pees himself in the beginning of the movie 
because I think it falls in line with how he acts in that interaction alone. Like there oh. is a there is a theme, there is a writing style in that alone. And that like tees up really well when he gets a, a job doing an ad for incontinence. Like, yeah, the, like obviously he's not going to be thrilled about that. And like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like yeah. even if this isn't a regular problem, even if he just got like super drunk and passed out and pissed himself while he was passed out asleep and isn't himself incontinent, like you could see him like doing this ad and remembering that moment. They could even have done like a brief flashback. Uh, of him, like you know, washing his his pajama pants out in the sink or something like that, and like just his scowl deepening as he's doing the the monologue for it. like that would have played. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and there's 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 also another weird plot about birds, where he kills his neighbor's birds or his neighbor's birds die, but that also was just like that scene, that whole like mini subplot served only to just show that like things are just going wrong for mm-hmm. him. But like that also fell out of place because the whole point is, is that he's the one causing all the bad things that are happening because mm-hmm. he is oblivious and not understanding about personal growth or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The birds dying was, would have, it wasn't his fault. Like he it literally, he's handed the birds and they die less than a day later through no fault of his own, you know? And yeah. that's another one of those things. It's like, yeah, but now you've made me feel bad for him like things are just happening bad to him for no reason but that's not really what this movie is about the movie is about this guy is just he's just a terrible person Mm -hmm. and it's the consequences of his own actions or inactions that are causing all of the bad things to happen like that's that's what you made me think this movie was about by giving him these other scenarios about his girlfriend about his career all that stuff you know his family and then you make this happen and i'm like oh well now I just feel bad for him, but like, I shouldn't, I should be like, yeah, idiot. That's what you get. Like, yeah. Ignore your girlfriend for 10 years. Of course she's going to fucking leave you. Like, duh. So I don't know. It was weird. Um, so this movie is streaming on Tubi TV and Amazon prime. If you are the type of person that watches movies after, um, you, uh, listen to us. Uh, so should you watch this movie? I'm going to say no. I think there's better out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had some, some, you know, comparisons in mind of like the, the scale and style of this movie, uh, when I sat down to watch it, that I was, were more along the lines of what I would expect it. And this just didn't deliver. I mean, um, I think of like, it's a disaster. Yeah. Had like a very similar sense and like the 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 scale of it and the the type of people that I you know, type of characters that I expected to see in this movie and like some actual humor while everything's falling apart uh, and this it just it didn't deliver what I wanted. Now, uh, if everything that we've described sounds like you know you really like serious awkward and like you you can power through that then. It's not that long. It's, you know, it's an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Sure. But like, I, I just, I can't really recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think if, if you wanting to see a person whose life is falling apart, but you don't really get like a crazy good happy ending. You can um, come to my house. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's not true. <laughs> that, was, that was dark. Uh, uh, but movies to recommend is Dan in Real Life and Skeleton Twins, both really mm. good movies that I think uh, kind of fall into that category and do this much better. Mm-hmm. Um, or The Unicorn Store. That was also good. Alison Brie. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. 
Good film. Uh, yeah, so uh, so there you have it, guys. So that was uh, the almost last movie for November. Um, so we have one more left. We're doing Almost Human. So again, we, we've talked about this a couple times, but Almost Human, there are several versions of Almost Human. Um, the one you're looking for is not the TV show um, with, uh, what's his name? Um, I don't remember. Uh, Car- Carl Urban. Oh yeah, yeah. Not not the one with Carl Urban, um, but you're looking for the movie where it looks like there's something to do with aliens and zombies and stuff like that. That's the one you're looking for. The one with you're going to look at the cast and be like, I know none of these people. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, the American, well, American English one, English speaking one, um, as well, because uh, there was a Chinese one, I think, right? I was going to say like it's it's the one that was released in 2013, but so was the series. <laughs> so was the series. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, which completely unrelated, uh, but yeah, so, uh, that one is also streaming on, or that one is streaming on Hulu right now. So if you're the type of person that watches movies, go watch that one, but catch us next week. All right. That's a show, Caleb. Yeah, it is. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.